We're diving into 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21 this morning, and we're talking about God's love being contagious, being contagious. And what comes to mind when you think of contagious? I think first off of the drama that happens, maybe what you, what you grew up with or maybe your current experience with your family, is when you start to see the ripple effect of a cold working its way into your family. Have you had this? First, my little daughter, Sienna, she'll get a snotty nose. Then all of a sudden, Chase has a sore throat. Then it, it kind of spreads and it works its way through the family. And you know what's always looming? You're like, I'm next. I'm next. It's coming down the line. And by the time it gets to me, it's usually morphed into a life-halting hybrid of symptoms. Anybody else have that too, where it seems to build and culminate till finally it gets to you and it's like, it's, it's like the, the bonus package. You're like, I got the, the runny nose, I've got the cough, the sore throat, you know, I got the sinus pressure in my face, I can't feel my head, and oh, oh yeah, and I've got an earache that's going to only get better with some kind of a special pill. You know, you like, it, it, it's, it's miserable to watch that progression when something like the common cold, which I don't know why we don't give more sympathy for the common cold cold, but when it's spreading through your house, it's a sinking feeling because you know you're next. And I was thinking about that in terms of this idea of God's love being contagious. The way it works in your family is you're like, well, I'm going to catch it because I can't stop snuggling with the kids. I can't not kiss my wife. You know, you start thinking about, you can't stop interacting with them and spending time with them. So you're like, well, it's just going to happen. The same is true as we think of it as in terms of God's love. It's just like, you know what? The more you spend time with them, the more you, the more you're, you foster that relationship, you, you, you know that it's coming. You know that eventually you're going to start, wait a second, I'm starting to become more loving. Wait, where, where did that come from? Like, I'm responding different to situations. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking differently about individuals. You see, his love, we're going to see in our text this morning, is contagious. Let me pray before we dive in. Dear Lord, we thank you for just that simple truth alone, that your love is contagious, that you choose to include us in it, that you allow yourself to rub off on us. I pray this morning that you teach us from this text that you'd get me out of the way and you'd speak to people directly from your word. We invite you here now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you wouldn't mind turning with me, it's so much easier to talk about this when we're looking at the same text. We're in 1 John 4, chapter 7. We're going to look first at the source of the outbreak. Verse 7 says this, Beloved, Let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. My wife and I enjoy spending time with different families in the church, having dinner at different folks' houses. I remember about a month ago spending time with the Rogstead family. We had a nice meal at their home, and then afterwards he said, Cameron was sharing with me. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of weird. I, I'm kind of into board games. Do you guys ever like playing board games? And I'm like, sure. You know, I played Monopoly as a kid, you know. And so I was like, let's, let's, let's do it. And he's like, well, I'll bring out a few. And so he brings out a, a game. And he's like, I think you'd really like this one. And the name of the game was Pandemic. I was like, huh, 
that sounds fun. Tell me about this pandemic. And he's like, well, it's about us trying to save the world from some disease that's going to spread and kill everyone. It's going to be great. <laughs> and, and you're like, he's like, here, you can set up a clinic here and then a, a, a rehab place. And, and, and he's, he's explaining this game. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. Let's do this. So we start playing this game. And, and guess what happened at the end of the game? Everybody died. I'm so sorry. I killed the world. And, uh, and so that this game, I was thinking about it. It got me stewing on this idea of being contagious and thinking of that topic. So I was reading about different outbreaks that have happened, and you're maybe familiar with them around the world. But one of the types of outbreaks is called this. It's called a common source outbreak. Common source outbreak. And what a common source outbreak is is a type of outbreak where all the cases are infected by the same source. Infected by the same source. I was thinking about that by definition. You think about it. If you're thinking of God in terms of love and where it stems from, he's the common source that it all starts from. It all starts from. If you think about it, even in creation, it's evident all over the place. I created a, a list of C words here and because uh, we're a good Baptist church. So creation is the first one that you see there is the first evidence of him being the source. When he made us, he designed us to be in a loving relationship with himself. But then the second word there is he didn't make a bunch of robots I must love God. He said, you know what? I'm going to give free will. I'm going to allow you to decide to be in relationship because it's so much more meaningful. It's not like with your child. You're like, you must love me. It's like, man, it feel, it's so awesome when they decide to love you back and, they, and it has nothing to do because you made them. The same is true for us. It's evident in his design. And then if you think about how extreme it gets from here, the fact is, after that choice, when we shook our fist and said, no thanks, I'm going to do things my way, God's love is evident on the cross. The fact that he chose to intervene on our behalf and chose to pursue us even though we had rejected him. Another extreme display of his love. We'll talk more about that later in the text. For God so loved the world. Then a commandment, if you think about when Jesus was pushed and nudged into a corner and said, what are the greatest commandments? What did he come up with? Love God, love people. You're like, huh. Even a, a, as hard of a time as we give about the commandments and all these rules and regulations, when God, when Jesus, in God in the flesh, had to describe what it was we were to be about, he's like, I just want you to love me and love other people. Like, that's what I want you to be about. It's part of his design. It's, a, it's a, a common source. And then calling, I like thinking of that in terms of, you know, he didn't leave us just here like, okay, I got my 70, 80, 100 years here and, and, and that's it. He said, I, I gave you a calling. I let you include in, in sharing my love with other people. So every facet of his design has an undergirding of love, has a foundation of love. But it's not just evident in the things he made. It's actually who he is based on this text. Just as we talked about earlier in the series about God being light, we see here that God is love. By his nature, he is love. He defines it. It does not define him. Think about that for a second. 
He defines it. It does not define him. You see, so often we want to play judge and say, well, that doesn't seem very loving of God. Who are we to define love? He's the one that decides what is love. He's the one that determines that. He's only capable of love because that's who he is. It defines him. So here, seeing that it all starts, that the the whole idea of love, it's all God is the source of the outbreak. And we see in verse 9 the display of this. It says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Think about how God displayed the, 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 the building, the, the, most evi- the greatest evidence of his love to us. What does it say? He made, his, made it manifest among us in that he what? Sent. And it shows intentionality. He pursued us. He sent his son, so his only son, so pointing that it was something that was dear to him, so that we might live. He sent it for a very specific reason. That's the way that he initiates the spread of his love. He pursued us. The word propitiation, it sounds like a great church word, doesn't it? It's actually one, it's not really one you use in the everyday language. I mean, think back in your past week, did you refer to anything that had to do with propitiation? I'm guessing not, unless you're really odd. Uh, but, but propitiation, it's one that you actually should look up, and so I did. This is the definition. It's a two-part act that involves appeasing the wrath of an offended person and being reconciled to them. Did you get that? Two parts. Appeasing wrath and reconciling you to them. If you think about that, because a lot of times we get numb to this, what God was doing, sometimes we wonder, okay, well, what did, what did Jesus actually save us from? What did he save us from? It's easy for us to start thinking, he saved us from our sins. He saved us from hell. He saved us from ourselves. He saved us from, you, you fill in the blank. But the truth is, what Jesus saved us from was the Father. Let me explain what I mean by that. Revelation 6.15, So then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? And who can stand? It's a powerful picture or portrayal of what's to come. So often we're like, well, we're saved from our sins, but the truth is God was saving us, or Jesus was saving us from God's perfect wrath, which is crazy to let that sink in, that he was the, that, that he, his son absorbed his wrath. He's the only provision for us. That's why it's such a big deal. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, describing Jesus as Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. That's why this text is able to say he was made, love was made manifest 
through him. That's the ultimate display. He absorbed what would have been us. He absorbed the wrath that was directed towards us. That's why you're like, whew, that's serious. That, that's, that's legit. That's something worth singing about on Sunday mornings. That's something worth talking about on a regular basis. I was talking with a, a, a mom from our church this past week, and she was talking to me about our kids a little bit and sharing about their family. And she's like, yeah, it's been strange. She was newer here to the church, and she said, it's been interesting. Now my kids are starting to talk about things like heaven and hell, and they're, they're starting to understand some of this bigger picture stuff of what's going on. She's like, at first I wasn't quite sure what to do with that. She says, but, but now I'm, I'm actually really thankful. I'm thankful that my kids understand the big picture and what's at stake. And, and don't get me wrong, we're not preaching hellfire and brimstone in our children's ministry, but gradually exposing them to the truth of what's at stake here, what's on the line. If you think about it, if Jesus, listen here, if Jesus is God's ultimate expression of love to us, wouldn't sharing Jesus with others be our ultimate expression of love to them? Think about that. If Jesus is the ultimate expression, it was the perfect way that he showed love, isn't the perfect way for us to share love with others is to share about Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate. And so for us, I'd love for us to stop seeing the gospel as an offense, but rather a display of love. It's an act of kindness to say, listen, good news. He's the propitiation. You don't have to use that word. But he covered, he absorbed God's wrath on our behalf. He initiated this contagious love. But then he didn't leave us on our own to figure it out. He left us with a helper. Verse 12 says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world." Like that idea there that he describes, he says, no one's ever seen God the Father. No one's ever seen him. You think, oh, well, what about Moses? If you remember, though, he only saw the, the glow of God, didn't actually see God. No one's seen him. And, and still, present day, to this date, no one here alive has seen Jesus Christ after, after he left this earth. And so what are people left with as an evidence of him? Me. You, all of us, like we're, we're the display now of God's love. That's a crazy reality to sink in. And in John's other book that he wrote, John 13, 35, he says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love is the way that we display God to the world around us. It's a scary weight to carry if we're honest with ourselves. And it's a, it's a pretty heavy thing if you think about Jesus saying, I'm giving permission for the world around us to judge whether we're disciples based on our observable love. We were talking about that in our men's discipleship groups, that God's giving the world around us permission to say, hey, I'm going to determine whether or not you're truly a disciple based on your love. You determine, you judge and see. He's inviting the world. And because of that, there's a lot at stake. 
And because there's a lot at stake, thankfully, God didn't leave us in that effort on our own. He says, oh, there's too much. I'm not leaving it with this knucklehead. I'm going to invade him. I'm going to set up camp inside of him. The Holy Spirit is the helper that he set up inside of each one of us that's embraced Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior so that he starts to flow and display his love. It was too much at stake. He chose to, to intervene as we abide in God. We've talked about that a lot in this series. As we abide in God, his spirit is working to perfect our love. Isn't that cool to think about in your own life? Like God's, you're like, you're like, well, my, my love is gradually getting more and more perfected. Perfected pictures this idea of a process. Anybody here feel like there's a, a, a long road to go still? But anybody also here like, yeah, but you should see where I came from. If you think I, if you think I need work now, you should see the, the, the transformation that's happened in my life. I was thinking about that and just trying to think of a, just any il- illustration that relates to that. I, um, I have this tendency, here's a little confession. I, I'm not real great necessarily interacting with uh, the law. And so uh, I've come to that conclusion. And, uh, and so some years back, I was in Canada um, with my wife, Canadian. And, uh, and we, we were driving actually with her, her parents. And uh, we were driving on this barren wasteland highway. And, uh, and, and all I see, I mean, it's kilometers. It says 100, I'm going 100. And so, uh, and so but I got confused with that. And so see coming the other direction, I see a Camaro. And I was like, it was an older Camaro. I was like, well, I'm fine. I just keep on trucking. Well, that Camaro was a secret spy policeman. No, but it was a secret police guy, throws on the light, does a, a, a Dukes of Hazard move across the center of the highway. I mean, this, the center divide was like all rocks and messed up. Comes, does a full U-turn, I'm sure tearing up his car, pulls up and gets out. He's got the full Mountie gear on, you know, the sweet hat. and the, I mean, he's got to spend a lot of time in front of the mirror. But, uh, but he, he, he's ready to go. He comes up to the, to the car window, and after he was giving me the ticket, this is what came out. I said to him, I said, Sir, I said, I'm not sure if my ticket's going to cover the damage to the underside of your car. And, and, and that wasn't very nice, was it? This was like 15 years ago. And he just looked at me and he said, point taken. And he got back in his car. And so, but that, but that I was like, I was like, you know what? Afterwards, and my family still gives me a hard time over my wife does about that interaction. And, and, and I was like, you know, it wasn't hateful, but it was sure dripping with sarcasm, right? Anybody else have a problem with that? Like, yeah, yes. Uh, please don't leave me up here. I'm not the only one dealing with it. <laughs> so I had a chance, thank the Lord, to redeem myself just a few weeks ago. Boo. Got pulled over on the 101 heading north. And in that town of Westlake, they quickly dropped the speed limit to 55. Has anyone noticed this before? Anybody been burned by this? So I'm just driving, minding my own business. There's the, the lights. And, and I, the, the officer came up, and they, I rolled down my window. The first thing the officer said to me, he said, he said you might be fast, but not that fast. <laughs> I was like, really? And all, all that came out, which was encouraging, was I just said, officer, I'm so sorry. I should have been pe- better paying attention to the speed limit. I'll, I'll try to do better. I was like, wait a second, where did that come from? That's not how I respond to the police. 
And so my point in that, barely just an excuse to tell that story, but here's the, the reason I bring that up, is to watch even in the little stuff, God starts taking off some, some edges, starts to, over the years, it might not be a radical, I'm a brand new man, but it's like, you know what? Start, starts making us just incrementally just a little more loving, a little more patient with our kids, a little bit more kind, and then we respond to, to our spouse or somebody that we care about. He starts taking, taking layers off, and, the, and that's the beautiful thing because when the Holy Spirit sets up camp in us, what does it say? He's in the business of perfecting love in your life perfecting it. That's, that's what he wants to do. He, he wants to take you and mold you and shape you because you know what? A person that has almighty God living inside of them looks very different. How, how, could, how could they not? So that's the perfecting work of the Lord in us. It starts to become more and more where it takes over us. We can't hide it. Look in, in verse 15. We become infected with his love. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he and God, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in his love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is, this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence on the, for the day of judgment, because he is so also are we in this world. A lot there. I like the, the, the little phrase there. It says, we have come to know and believe. That points to a personal experience. The, the longer you walk with the Lord, the more you start to know and believe about his love. Believe the love that, the God, that God has for us. My question for us this morning is where are we at in that, in that whole spectrum? Are we growing in our understanding of how crazy God's love is for us? Or do we still see him as like this, oh, I'm never going to meet his expectations. I'm, I failed him again. I, I blew it again. Or, or are we embracing the propitiation that happened on our behalf that we're covered with Jesus Christ if we've embraced his forgiveness? How do we see God? Can we say that we have come to know and believe, believe the love that God has for us? I was in a, a counseling session with a young lady, and I was working with a, another pastor at the time, kind of working more as an advocate. And it was interesting because this Christian counselor was talking to this lady who was really tormented with all that she was, that she was going through. And he was explaining to her, man, it's got to start with you embracing God's love for you. She had claimed to accept Christ, but she just, there was just a blocker there. She just wasn't able to embrace how crazy God was about her. And he had her do this exercise. He said, if you were to describe the way that you see God, how would you do it? Would, you, would it be like the arms wide open, waiting for an embrace? Or would that picture be a little bit more of arms crossed and angry and just, just looking to, soon as you mess up, to, to pound you because you blew it again? And she was sad to see. She was like, you know what? That's way more of the picture that I see God as. I see him as this angry judge just waiting for me to slip up one more time again and totally missing what it describes here in the text. Believe the love that God has for us. Because when we do, when that starts to sink in, we get infected with it. It starts to radiate out of us. What does it say at the end of that section? It says, as he is, 
so also are we in this world. As he is. Think about that picture. He's saying, man, when you are consumed and saturated with God's love, all of a sudden you start being that to the world around us. Like, what an extreme statement. As he is love, so also are we in this world. It's an awesome thing when our behavior starts to mirror his. So the question, I always wrestle with the, the practical. How do you apply that? How do you actually start to live out this love? I was listening to uh, one pastor's take on it, and I loved his three points. I'll just touch on these, just a couple of practical things. The first one was that he was saying just one way to put it in practice is to love people by putting them on a new page, by giving fresh starts. Is that what you're known for? Giving people fresh starts? putting people on a new page, willing to forgive, willing to release the past. That's a beautiful way that we display love. Amen? That's one tangible way. How, how about this one? You love, love, love people by listening to them. Love people by listening to them. Sometimes I think we lose the art of listening, so we're so quick to want to share what's going on with us that we don't really slow down. Think about with our spouse or friends or people we care about. Are we really good listeners? Do we ask good questions? Are we there to actually hear what's going on? Are we, are, are we taking the time to do that and, and feeding to that same as this third one, the idea of love people by taking conversations to the next level? Not being content with just talking about the surface stuff, saying, you know, we're going we're gonna to go a little further here. My, my wife and I had a, a long drive on, uh, on Monday, and we were just talking and driving. We listened to a little section of a, of a sermon on, on uh, my, I, I guess it's not an iPod, I guess phone now at this stage. Uh, listened to a little section of a, a sermon, and, and then it was talking, the, the, the preacher presented the idea of this asking or talking with someone about the things you're afraid of. What, what's, your, what's your greatest fear? It ended up being a, a great extended conversation with Adrian and I, just thinking about, oh, what are you afraid of? Like, is it, is it fear of failure? Is it fear of, of, of not performing at a certain level? Is it fear of what people will think of you? You know, just talking about things of significance. I would love to see us as a, a body, as a church, that we, that we really interact about things that, that, that matter, that go deeper. Those are some of the just practical ideas of, of moving more love. And you think about it as a, as a church, we should be the most loving place around. You know, if we are, in fact, a group of people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, moving and working and perfecting love in us, growing it just gradually, as we mentioned, perfecting it, man, we should become every year a little bit more like, whoo, they're even more loving. They're even more kind. Like, there's something different about these people. Like, they're, they're, they're crazy loving people. And I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? There's so many evidences in that. And I think we're, we're really heading the right direction of that as a community. There's so many things I can point to just in Adrian and I's last two years of experience here. I was thinking even just in the last couple of weeks, there's a, a couple in our, our church that was talking about a, a bed and, and breakfast that they really loved in Pismo, and it meant a lot in their relationship. And they said, so we, we wanted to pay for you to go there overnight. I was like, Really? 
I was like, let's talk more about this. And so, and so, and so they, they treated for us to go to this bed and breakfast. So Sunday after church last week, I usually have Monday off. Uh, Adrian and I went up and just had a little 24-hour overnight. It was fantastic. It was so, so good for us. I came back, and I was, I was talking to one of our neighbors that, that, uh, where we had been, and I was like, yeah, it was so crazy. A, a couple in our church, they, 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 uh, they treated for us to go to this bed and breakfast. And he's like, they did what? What do you mean they treated? Are, are you guys related? Are you connected? No, they're just, just a sweet family in our church. They just want to be a blood. Uh, he's like, really? That's weird. And I, and I was like, you know, it's not weird when God's perfected. And this isn't a sales pitch for people buying us bed and breakfast. Uh, but but, but, but uh, maybe. No. Uh, but here's the thing. It's like when, when God's perfecting his love in us, it starts to shine out in all kinds of crazy ways. Maybe not paying for stuff always, but just in, in, in acts of kindness and, and caring for those around us. And, and, and man, what would it look like if we just gave over full reign? And you're like, all right, God, do more, man. I want more. Because it's the funny thing about the more loving you get, you're just like, I want, I want more of that. I like how that feels. I like when I'm not yelling at a cop and being sarcastic. Like, you know, like I, I like when he starts taking those edges off. And ultimately what happens is then in verse 18, we can't contain his love anymore in us. It starts to just seep out. It starts to come out all over the place. You don't, you don't hear us singing, I hide it under a bushel, yes. Like, no, like it, it, it starts going out. Like it starts flowing outside of who we are. In verse 15, it talked about confessing it. The professions becomes just normal, just talking about it. I was talking to a newer guy in our church that's really newer to take, at least taking his faith seriously, and he was talking about some of his Facebook posts, and he was saying, man, when I used to talk about dumb stuff, I'd get like 150, 300 likes, and, and now I, I put anything about, about Jesus or about God, and I get like eight likes, and he's like, I, I don't know, and he, he, he said, but, but you, you see, God starts transforming, he starts coming out of you, verse 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect fear, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, whoever fears has not been perfected in love, listen to this, we love because he first loved us, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. It's part of who we are. I love that it points there that it's not supposed to be a fear-based thing. It's not something where we're like afraid of punishment if we don't love more. Or go work on that. Go be more loving. He's like, no, that's not about it. We, we love people because why? Man, we've been saturated. We're, we're acutely aware of his love for us. Is that true in your life? Is that true in your world? Well, if we were to ask somebody around you, somebody close, would they say, like, yeah, there's, there's new, new aspects of, of love coming out of who they are? I've been encouraged. My, my son Chase, uh, he's 10 years old, and 
when he was uh, much younger, he made the choice to embrace Christ as a Savior and just remember that, that tender moment with him praying to accept Christ. But it's been fun to, to watch God's uh, just process in, in his life where it's personalized and become more and more of his own decision. And it was neat just uh, a couple weeks ago, they had this show and tell thing in his class. He's right here at Willow Elementary. And they had to gather up a collection of all the things that describe who they are as a, as a person. And in show and tell, they'd pull each item out and show it. And he had his, his Nintendo DS. He had this thing from Minecraft. He had all this uh, silly stuff, uh, a ball for Foursquare that he likes. He had all these different things that painted pictures. But then I, I loved it in his bag. You know what else he included? A Bible in there. I asked him, I was like, Chase, well, how did that, how did that go in your class? What did, you, what did you say when you pulled that out? He said, well, I pulled it out and said, man, I'm following Jesus with my whole life. And, and this, this is the, the book that he wrote us. And he's legit like Billy Graham in Willow Elementary. <laughs> like you, I was like, this is so cool just to see that. And then here's a second piece. And uh, I'll, I'll just brag on my son for a second here. And uh, a couple weeks later, he, uh, he had kind of put the, the flag in the ground here, and he's kind of proclaiming that. He had a, a kid, he's at Chase's in third grade, uh, had a much smaller kid get mad in a game and came over and did a like ninja double kick to Chase two times, and uh, we won't talk about where the kicks landed. And, uh, and, and Chase was telling me about this, gets home from school and telling me about this, and I was like, well, Chase, what did you do? Did you give him a right? Did you give him a knee? Like, what did you? And he's like, no, man, I, 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 just, I just took it. He said, this, this kid's been, he's in first grade. He's been suspended a few times already. And, and I was like, nice, Chase. Nice, buddy. He sa says, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. That invitation he's already taking. And for us, to do the same as the, the option this morning, the more we're around him, as I said from the beginning, it's contagious. The more you abide with him, the more you, you interact, the more you're around other people that are chasing after him, it's, it starts to rub off on you, and you're like, I'm catching it, I'm catching it, I'm it's becoming who I am, I can't stop this, it's contagious. That's my prayer for us as a church. Man, what we do in Rabbit Valley if that happened amongst all of us, amen? Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this chance to be in your word. I thank you for the truth that's presented here that we love because you first loved us. That's why we're able. That's why we're capable. It's not something that we drum up on our own. It's just an outpouring of what's been poured out on us. My prayer for each one of us, God, is that we'd get a chance to to bask in the reality of your love. The truth that it was manifest, made known in the propitiation of Jesus Christ on our behalf. God, may that simmer, may that settle in to our psyche, may it invade every aspect of who we are. We'd bask in it and we'd display it. We can only do this as this text points to through your Holy Spirit working in us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So grateful for that love this morning. Amen.
Just two quick reminders as you're walking out today. First, every first of every month, we have an opportunity to give to our deacons fund, which then goes to meet specific needs in our community. So if you want to be a part of that, you're welcome to. And then a reminder, tonight we're coming together at 6.30 for a time to have some pie, hang out, and we're even doing a time capsule in the roof of the well. So it's going to be a little nutty. So join us for that. God bless you. We'll see you this afternoon.